Happy Saturday, Pounders. This week, we got Netflix and Tesla earnings recaps, understanding what's happening with the actors and writers strike down in Hollywood. We got a thesis pick with Mercado Libre, introducing a new PTT scoring system, and then digest the massive week of earnings ahead. Let's get into it. I wonder why fund managers can't beat the S&P 500. Because they're sheep. Sheep get slaughtered. Down 1.7% here, a loss of 37 points or so. Apple shares are just getting hammered this morning. We're down by between 3 and 4.5% generally across these markets. Let's talk about the speed with which we are watching this market deteriorate. We're red everywhere, essentially, down by 4 or 5%. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 83 of Pounding the Table. I'm here in the Jersey Shore. Joey, I know you're at a barbecue right now and ran back to the house to record, so we'll make this a quick one. But a lot to talk about, as always, starting off with Tesla, Netflix earnings, a lot of news coming out from Microsoft, and we have a huge week of earnings coming up, headlined, of course, by all the big tech stocks. Joey, Shy, how are we feeling today? I'm feeling relieved. I know the market has gone down a couple of days. It's been a while since it went down over 2%. I'm happy about it. We kind of needed some kind of dip in order to like maintain this full new bull rally we're in. And I'm definitely not complaining about that. Raise some cash position. So going to take advantage of that in the coming weeks. Joey, what'd you have at the barbecue? <laughs> now, I wasn't a barbecue. My wife needed to uh, help her friends do some crafting. And they're using a cricket machine, which... Then made me look back at that stock because I haven't looked at it in so long. CRCT make these machines that could like, you know, cut out different crafts that you could then put on shirts and stuff. All right, let's get into it. The U.S. weekly jobless claims come in at 228 versus the estimated 240K. Alphabet is testing out a new AI tool, which is going to help write articles on behalf of journalists. Uh, I guess ChatGPT could not do that, apparently. But the uh, company has demonstrated the product to execute for the New York Times, Washington Post, and News Corp. Amazon, we were just talking about this one, Joey. They're set to launch a pay by palm in the Whole Foods stores. You had a lot to say about that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like people are just getting too comfortable with how advanced technology is getting. So one thing that's, you know, really on me is almost, you know, how people are unlocking smartphones with their faces and thumbprints and I just think of how easy it is to you know, gain access to things now. If you know someone's just in the room with you and you can start unlocking their phones if you wanted to, now, yeah, we're going to be paying with our palms and, and all these other things. I feel like it's too much too fast and I'm not entirely comfortable with a lot of this. I don't want to be paying with my palm at a store. I even saw a video where we now have this like tap to pay functionality with credit cards where someone was walking around with one of the little POS terminals and just stood very close behind someone and got it close to their back pocket and charged them for something that, because you know the guy had the wallet in his back pocket. So I think a lot of these technologies are cool and like interesting, but might be unnecessary in the long term. And actually, as we're trying to get more secure with our payments, we're you know being less secure about it. The irony, huh? Tesla. Again, kind of in that same theme, Tesla's going to spend over a billion dollars on the Dojo supercomputer over the next year. So this is AI race. I didn't know too much about this Dojo supercomputer. They're pretty much going to be licensing their FSD technology to other car companies. Elon won. He won first with the charging stations. Now with the FSD tech, 
he's just the absolute goat. Like people are complaining about their earnings report. Like, oh, the margins dipped to 18%. Do you want to look at the other automakers margins? It's still higher than everyone else's. And this is just a chess move on Elon's master plan that he's just going to get all the market share early on. Everyone's going to be reliant on whatever technology that Tesla provides, aka Apple in 2008, 2009. Like this is such an overblown dip post earnings. I think it's down like 13%. I think it's totally overdrawn at this great quarter. And I love everything that Elon's doing. What's going on with this Microsoft Activision blizzard? I saw the FTC is going to pause its trial. What's that actually mean, Joe? Yeah, the FTC has been getting a lot of track or getting a lot of crap for trying to block deals that they don't really have the basis to attempt to block. I mean, Microsoft Activision, that's a, it's a pretty massive deal if you look at it. And I almost feel like Activision wants it to fall apart just because, you know, they get, I think it's a $3 billion breakup fee. Plus they've got a ton of cash on the balance sheet and the business is doing very well. It's not something that I feel like should have been challenged in the first place. So everything seems to be trending in favor of Microsoft closing on this. I think there still might be some issues that they have with one of the European commissions. Not entirely sure on that front, but I feel like we are getting very close to this one being able to actually close and getting all of Activision under that almost like Xbox gaming division of Microsoft, which would be pretty impressive. What's the latest with Figma and, and Adobe? Last I read was it, it was still getting scrutinized about, you know, they, they wanted to block because it, it's something about like stifling innovation within the space. But I think with everything Adobe's released and, you know, continue to come out with, I feel like they're separating themselves from the pack. Like they're so far ahead of Canva and all these other players that I'm almost rooting for that deal to get blocked. I know we said this back. I think we even talked about this when Adobe stock was under 300. And I was like rooting for this because they saved $20 billion. It wasn't going to really boost up their growth rate or make any impact on margin. Yeah, you know, you get an innovative team in place, maybe some cool features that they could add to their existing product suite. But I am a believer in Adobe and all of their team that I don't think that they really needed to acquire Figma to advance their product suite. And I think they've kind of proven that over the last year. And you see Adobe stock has taken off. It's still well below its all-time highs as a lot of the big tech companies. But I think with how big and important they're getting in the AI space that they might even want this deal to get blocked now so they can you know, almost chalk up sending that cash elsewhere. Back to automotive. Carvana is restructuring their debt. Shy, I know you mentioned that was kind of a, a big deal. It's kind of been a fin twit, darling, you know, up and down. People love to short that one. It's honestly put a bandaid on a stabbing wound. It's like such a disconnect on price, short-term price movement to actual business. I don't see Carvana really lasting more than a couple of years. We were all talking before the pod, like people won't own cars in like 10, year, 10 plus years. Everyone's going to be ride sharing or Ubering everywhere or it's all going to be electric. So I think Carvana is like living on borrowed time and this gives them extra time, but this doesn't change my thesis on staying away from it like with no, no chance on ever buying into this company. Yeah, I love the idea of Carvana. And, you know, I owned this years ago, but I definitely agree kind of with where full self-driving's going and EVs. It could get to a point where you know, like Tesla has its fleet of cars that are connected to Uber that anytime you want to go somewhere, you almost like summon the car. So instead of, you know, buying a car for 40, 50 grand or even, you know, Tesla Model 3s, what are they, 30? But instead of that, you're just kind of summoning this car to take you from A to B. And 
I mean, getting picked up by Uber, it's already, you know, within three minutes. I feel like as this expands and say Tesla just inks some massive partnership, which they already have some sort of deal between Tesla Hertz and Uber drivers, but, you know, cut out the human element long-term, which I think both Uber and Tesla would, would almost enjoy it because they'd be selling their cars to this corporation, getting rid of the main expense, which is the person. And yeah, you're making a big investment in, in the cars up front, but then you've got this operating fleet that's just a money printer for you. Yeah, I remember I was in college and I like wrote down, one day we're going to all laugh that like we got in car accidents. And obviously it's not funny to get in a car accident, but it's almost going to be like so insane that we allowed humans that like have all these emotions and like are eating and, you know, playing with their phones. Like we always joke and we hate about all the shit that's changing so quick, but this actually could be very helpful. And I guarantee you the amount of deaths from auto will start to plummet. You know? No, I so as a father of three and almost four, I am all for full self driving and everything because all I see now driving around are you know people just staring at their phones, whether in motion, red light, constantly looking at their phones, and I'm just thinking, I'm like cussing people out because I'm thinking, you know, I've got some precious cargo in here, and here you are, you know, having to stare at your phone for the next five minutes wherever you're going. So just to think these teenagers or, you know, my kids, I'm not going to say they're not going to be staring at their phones. The last thing I want is to put, you know, a kid behind a wheel of a car, you know, with these electronic devices and you could try to block them out all you want. Say like, yeah, the car is in motion or something, the devices won't work, but I would much rather have full self-driving technology taking these kids around so they could stare at whatever they want, let the car get them from point A to point B. And yeah, removing that human element would be huge. So luckily I've got what, nine more years until my oldest would be of driving age. So hopefully we get to that point before then. And speaking of which, we could uh, drive ourselves professionally a little bit better with Microsoft Copilot. They just released and an kind of a little SaaS layer to them, 30 bucks a month, an additional AI feature. So is this going to be like chat GBT? And, and I'll quickly actually just mention too. So they've, they have quite a bit of news. The MongoDB expansion with their partnership with Microsoft as well. But going back to Copilot, Shai, if you want to just quickly touch on that, is that through the ChatGPT acquisition, I'm assuming? Yeah, it's through ChatGPT and specifically Azure for Azure for developers. Uh, honestly, the marketing department and Microsoft was definitely working overtime this week. Like multiple times every single day, they're throwing out announcements at partnerships. Microsoft is in such a great spot. Like they're going to be riding this tailwind for years to come. And I, I'm just excited to see what growth tech is going to be partnered with them and who's going to ride that tailwind. We haven't really touched on it a lot, but I know that they're getting super into healthcare and you can just think about where this can go with AI, where doctors we were just kind of discussing, they can almost become the middleman there per se, where they're really just being the bedside manner is going to be more important than ever because they're really just going to take blood based kind of like what Theranos wanted to do on steroids. Eventually, I think we're going to get to a place where it's just going to literally spit out, you know, exact symptoms, what that means, what you're feeling, everything like that. And then they'll be the ones to actually read that to the patients. Yeah, doctors essentially become like salesmen in white coats because as we were just kind of talking, you know, while not recording, but, you know, to think of two very, I guess, innovative companies in the healthcare space with Intuitive Surgical and Transmedics, you've got Intuitive Surgical where their Da Vinci surgical device is being, you know, increased usage as to what they can use within their or what surgeries it could be used for, where over time, 
the software could become more advanced and between AI and machine learning, it could assess the situation and complete a surgery and just have like the human element observing if anything were to go wrong, almost like a complete robotic surgery. And then you've got something like Transmedics where they're almost creating an end-to-end transplant as a service solution where their devices are used to move the organs that they're almost like taking out and transporting, but eventually they could hire surgeons to almost be on each side of that to where their surgeon will take the organ out, transmit it with Transmedics, move it logistically with Transmedics device. And then the surgeon that takes it out usually puts it back in as well. So think if like Transmedics has the surgeon remove it, transport it with their device and then insert it, it becomes transplant as a service. So then you add in what if the machine takes it out, transports it, puts it back in. Again, you've just got the human element is just there to observe. What a beautiful acquisition for ISRG and Transmedics. That would be a match made in heaven uh, just because of uh, how I see those two almost combining. And then you think of like, mile. <laughs> yeah, 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 essentially. That's amazing. Chipotle signed their first ever franchise to partnership in the Middle East. That's exciting. They can't do pork out there though. I'm assuming. Stop off of the ground right there. Well, see, I, I factored this in, you know, like Kava and Meza. So Meza is a smaller chain around me, which is, Think of kava, but Middle Eastern flavors. And I think kava actually tried suing Meza because an executive from kava left and started Meza. But rather than like the Mediterranean spices and flavorings, he went specifically Middle Eastern. And I'll tell you, Meza, it's incredible. But to bring it all back to my point is, what if people in those areas are almost like, hey, we want something else. Why not some Chipotle? It's almost like American... Mexican cuisine. What does Chipotle consider itself? Is it like American Mexican cuisine? I forget how they categorize themselves, but it's almost like bring in it. So to people in, you know, the Middle East, this would almost be like something new and innovative as we see, you know, like Kaaba and Meza. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they do testing, right? They have to. And it's not like this is going to be the first chipotle style chain in the middle east it's not like a big desert like there's some very bad cities i think it's just like oh, i think it's cool they're going in i mean like think about all the big franchises that you know chipotle i believe is out in europe but but i also like that chipotle is not trying to do this on their own they understand that there are a lot of hurdles to entering a new international market if they are not absolute experts on it partner with someone that you trust to uphold your brand standards and answer a very lucrative market because there are some very deep pocketed markets within the Middle East and, and that whole area. And I feel like there there's room for hundreds, if not thousands of Chipotle's. Yeah. So they got 3,200 locations in the US, 50 locations in Canada and Europe, and one location coming up here in the Middle East. US loan applicants saw 21.9% rejection rate through June. I can't speak. Trailing the past 12 months. Highest rate in the last five years. Congress is looking to narrow investment limits and investments in China. SpaceX forecasting revenue to double this year, up to $8 billion. Where are they getting revenue from right now? Because it's not like live for the public. They charge to launch satellites for companies. Mm-hmm. That's the bulk of it. And I was actually surprised it was only $8 billion. But 
I mean, looking at the like the last valuation, I don't even care. I think SpaceX long term is worth trillions upon trillions. So Elon, please bring it public. Let me invest in it. I don't care the valuation. What was that other SPAC that did that? There was a few Rocket Rocket Lab. So Rocket Labs launches Locket launch launches. (laughs) He tried to say. then Momentus is almost one that like sell space on rock. And I think they actually went under. I'm not sure. That was another no, spot. They had a sketchy CEO. They were supposed to like be the last mile solution in space. Yeah, so they almost like own space and then you could like take it from, I, it was a weird business. It didn't ever make real sense to me. Then there was Astra, which I remember Astra and like watching their launch attempt and it was just like nonstop. The, the clock would restart and then it would like kept failing and, I remember like watching that launch, then the stock started tanking because it wasn't happening. And then of course you had like Virgin Orbit, which is gone now. And it's it's a very tough space, but I feel like it's almost made it to where it's SpaceX and Rocket Lab, but SpaceX is so far ahead that Rocket Lab is almost just a distant second. Well, it's it's unfair to compare because I think Rocket Lab's worth two billion. I think SpaceX valuation is two hundred billion. I think so, like like you said, Rock Lab is the best pure space play in the market right now until Elon decides to bring SpaceX in publicly. But I have that as my exposure in the space industry within my growth portfolio. However, it will never get close to what SpaceX will ever be. Elon Lab has a huge ownership of like the Australian government, right? Yeah. But that's yeah. pretty cool. Very cool. All right, let's get through this. We've got a lot of earnings we want to talk about. So Apple, real quick, is also getting an AI game with Apple GBT. I don't know if that's the actual name or you just made a comment here to throw me off, Joey. But uh, No, I think that's actually what they named it. And they are? They, I, no. I was shocked that Apple actually did it this fast because Apple's usually like the one that six months later after big trend, they get into it, you know, super late, but still come out with something good. But, but again, it's dumb because like Siri is pretty... It, I have to look. Yeah, at they have all that data. Like, yeah, all these companies have been doing AI for so long. It's just and now uh, it's a cool catchphrase that they got to, you know, make it more advanced or give it some new fancy name or add GPT to it. Well, I think the Apple is taking advantage of they're in everyone's pocket, right? So they're, they have to just move quickly on this. We were talking about this, like, what if they start to get in like the ad game as well, right? And if the government continues to say no more third party and Apple has all that first party data, but I mean, Apple's already so high up, but these just winners just keep winning. It's, it's wild. I, I know we all talked about this, but when Apple made that announcement, every growth AI tech stock just dipped so hard. It they seriously terrible. broke the rally. Like that Apple AI yeah. announcement, everything turned. And I think, I, yeah, it went down 3%, I think, between those two days, like from where it was announcement. QQQ went down 3% within 48 hours. I think our group text, we said it was like the straw that broke the AI back was Apple's announcement. It's just like, this is too much. Just chill. Everything needs to come down. Or it's people realizing like, wow, I own all these other companies with exposure to AI. I don't need to. I could just own Microsoft, Apple, Meta, Google, like the usual big boys that as all these other, as Nasdaq's trying to rebalance to get away from all this increased exposure, it's like, there's a reason it, those companies are so large and outsized. Like that's probably the best place to have your cash. You know, why force people into smaller names that might not be as stable or have as good as a balance sheet? Makes no sense. But hey, more power to you, Nasdaq. 
Yeah. Apple gets into AI, they will for sure break up Apple. You can't have like one company just own that many thematics and industries. So I would only say that a company will be broken up if this acts to restrict lawmakers and congresspeople from investing in stocks, because then they'll actually do things that might benefit people. But I think, you know, breaking up Apple, Google, Microsoft, any of those companies would almost be like how breaking up Standard Oil unlocks so much wealth. And I would so look forward to those companies getting broken up. Like, imagine being able to own AWS or being able to own Azure and all these other you know business units. But the companies are always significantly stronger as one massive beast because you know, like Apple is just an absolute cash flow machine. And imagine what they would do if they actually started buying some companies instead of having your biggest deal of all time being what two billion dollars for Beats by Dre on Apple by PayPal. Real quick, Nissan is going to also join on board. We said we'd get like a uh, leaderboard here for everyone that's moving over to the NACs. So that is yet another brand. And then Netflix is the other company we wanted to talk about. Both these will be touching on the earnings here in just a second. But not only are they shopping people off, you said your whole family was on one Netflix plan. That's happening. And now they're no longer offering its ad-free platform in the US or the UK right now. So Let's touch on uh, Netflix first, Shai. I know you had a lot to say how it you know, looked kind of good, but long-term does not look good at all for Netflix. I was a little surprised that they missed on the top line, especially with the increase on uh, paid subscribers. They'd be on the bottom line, but once I looked into the report, it was artificially inflated. If you look into why they beat the bottom line so much, it's because they saved nearly a billion dollars on new TV production costs. They stopped making as much TV as they did last year. That could be because of SAG Africa like strike. It could be because they're just taking a pause on spending on content. It doesn't really increase their mode long term. And I think it wasn't anything sexy about that report. I think that 13% decline after the report is definitely justified. I'm upset as a consumer. It definitely uh, tainted the brand that they're forcing us to like split up between families like i kind of liked seeing my family what they were watching kind of like a weird way of connecting and now i feel more isolated that i have to have my own account and i'm a little salty that now i have to have like add a sixth subscription i have to pay for just for tv like let's just go back to cable at this point a lot of these other streaming services are getting killed and they go back to licensing is that upside case here for netflix then yeah, Shai made a very good case for this as as we were all talking before, but I'll just kind of say it from my angle where I, I do think, you know, like the cable comments perfect where we all canceled cable, which was 150 bucks to get a streaming service in Netflix for 15 bucks. But now all of a sudden there's Netflix, Disney, Hulu, Paramount, HBO, all these different ones that people are subscribing to everything. It's like, yeah, you just stick with cable, get all that. All of my entire family is like on my in-laws, Netflix, and now of course... My sister-in-law got her own and my in-laws changed their password. So it's like we have Disney Plus that everybody was using. So I canceled Disney Plus. I think my last day of billing was today because I'm going to switch over to Netflix tomorrow because I just look at, you know, the amount of content for adults and kids. Surprisingly, Netflix is better on that front. I let my kids vote, you know, which one you prefer. And Netflix was the vote of all three of them between that and YouTube. So like just seeing the types of content out there and then even thinking what Shai was saying originally where Disney had it made when they were licensing a lot of this content to Netflix because they were getting paid 
very well. I remember when all the Marvel films were on Netflix, it was awesome. And they were getting paid very well for that. Now they like created their own streaming service and you know, it hasn't gone as great as they would have liked and you know, impacts the margins to where a lot of these companies would be better off licensing that to these other platforms rather than trying to build their own. Like everybody wanted to be the next Netflix when partnering with them was not the worst case for them. Like they were getting paid very well to do it. To add to that point, I think the first step that just shows like the smoke behind like the fire is they're starting to consolidate apps. Like Showtime and Paramount's consolidated. Hulu and Disney will start soon be consolidated. I think the next step will be you're going to license to Netflix or the major players. I think there's, it was like the magic where like how AI was right now, but back in 2020, it was like streaming. Like it inflated the value of the stock. Now that's not the case. They care about the actual bottom line. And it's an awful business model, streaming. Like Netflix was had the first mover advantage, but everyone who followed them, they're struggling. And I think this is going to revert back to what it was before. Is there a world in which we get to customize movies based off our personality? Like you're closer out in LA to what's going on with the writer's strike, but like the high level is basically, I think is a lot of it centered around AI, right? Where they like don't want them to well, take over their jobs. There's some crazy stuff out there because, you know, a lot of these actors, when they're doing these movies, are licensing, giving their the rights and copies of their like. Yeah, they're essentially giving their rights, their name, image, and likeness, all this stuff. I remember Dave Chappelle had a great, interview where he's explaining his deal with the Chappelle show where they like own everything related to him, his name, all this, like in any universe period of time. It was crazy. Well, thinking ahead there. They knew it. Yeah, it was it was very like the the wording was insane. And like YouTube that interview and you'll understand what I mean by it. So to see, yeah, kind of how extreme some of these get that, yeah, what if you take you take AI that gets scanned like every movie ever produced and you say, give me something, write a, write a script on, you know, a very popular topic. I think it could get based on this. Like, yeah, yeah, you can almost write the entire movie and you look at the rates that these writers and everybody want to be paid. And one of the main reasons is they want to make sure that these big theater firms or, or writers and movie producers don't go to AI when they're not prepared to do it but they're making this move to prevent it from happening in the future. So it's almost like the big movie houses need to figure out, like, can we do this immediately and risk it? But, but yeah, I feel like, you know, with AI writing assistance and everything, the way it's going, the writing's kind of on the wall there, no pun intended. So they need to, they need to kind of figure out, you know, how they could work with AI to improve everything rather than restrict it. You know, I, I even had a meeting the other day where I was trying to explain where, you know, like I have a kid in elementary school and they're, they're still learning, you know, handwriting and doing math by hand and all this. And I would almost prefer if they're showing them, you know, how to type and how to, you know, efficiently use a calculator while still, you know, understanding the basics of it. If you had to do it by hand, because you're almost like refusing to see where innovation has gone, that you're never going to be doing certain things by hand. You, you know, you're rarely ever going to be writing a letter and mailing it. You're going to be using these electronic devices where I wish you know, we were educating people how we do it. So it's almost like embrace the advancements in technology and use it to your advantage for efficiency rather than trying to push it off. Because I think we all know where this is eventually going to go. And they're just pushing off the inevitable based on money. To add more context, I live spitting distance from CBS Studios. So like I'm very yeah. in, involved Mr. in Hollywood over here. Yeah. Not even just writers, it's the actors. So 
right now the streaming model is awful for the business and they're paying the actors no residuals. So the actors are fighting for some kind of residuals back what it was before when they were on cable. I think they're going to get close to what it was before, which should accelerate the consolidation on streamers even more now. We're like, wow, we can't even afford, we can barely break even right now. So just factoring that into a business model for streaming where it's so poor that's really hard to break even, now deal with the headache of also paying more for residuals for the actors and writers. A lot of the studio execs are just going to be like, it's not worth the headache. Let's license our IP to the big players, aka Netflix, maybe Paramount, but I think Paramount is an amazing IP that they'd rather just license it out. I think they stopped paying their dividend and I think they want to be a dividend stock, so they might even just license it out as well and just get that cash back. Netflix will just own this space in a couple of years. And that is like, if you want to get into Netflix right now at this valuation, that has to be kind of your thesis where they're going to own this space and everyone in America and the world is going to pay that subscription fee. Like the people at Friends, I remember seeing an article where, you know, if the show is originally started on cable, then go streaming, like the residuals remain in place. But it's like if they start with streaming, it's not as lucrative as it used to be. And I remember seeing Friends reruns because it's just one of those cult-like following that people always watch. Each of those actors get $20 million a year for the constant reruns that are going where now it's like at the new shows, it's almost like singers with Spotify, you know, they're getting pennies for millions of streams. It's just not what it used to be that they want the sweet deals that used to be out there. Because I mean, there's some new shows that have been absolute monsters on these streaming platforms, but because it didn't start on a cable network like it used to, it's not nearly what the pay used to be. And with where we've gone with streaming, you know, it should be reversed, but uh, it hasn't been. Netflix just has all this first party data. So I was saying like, sounds crazy, but I don't think it's that far out to think in maybe five, 10 years, you could be like, hey, I want a horror movie with Jack Black, you know, based in Thailand, and it will create that movie for you. It sounds insane, but I, I think that will happen in our lifetime. Well, they already have those shows that like where there's 50,000 different endings that could happen or there's like different orders that could be viewed in. And so already, yeah, so it's already doing that to where it's like unique to the person. But yeah, eventually it could, it already suggests shows based on your interest where, yeah, what if it eventually has AI almost like develop a movie based specifically on what you like? I mean, they just have the, the most data by far and they, they don't even have that many employees. When I was looking at like all the big tech companies, they have by far the least employees that I was looking at. Uh, before we get into earnings from last week, Tesla was the other big earnings play here, Shai. I know you wanted to touch on that too. We, we kind of touched on it earlier in the episode, but summarize again, if we can dive a little bit deeper into the, the report here. Yeah, so Tesla reported a really strong earnings. I know like a lot of the headline noise is margins went down to 18%. I'm rolling my eyes right now, as obvious Joey can see, like, come on. This is totally a competitive move to get more market share. Like this 18% is still by far greater than any other gross margin. So I think that's a good move on them just to increase the market share. I mean, they still need a billion dollars in free cash flow. Like I think it was like an 80% increase year over year. So they're doing really well on the bottom line. And I know Elon was really excited about the full self-driving tech. And especially I'm a huge fan of them licensing it out. I think. There's so much capital 
at CapEx that's required to like build this tech out that a lot of the automakers already with their 18% margins, like let's just go with what Elon created. It's going to be a superior tech. Let's just go that avenue. And now that Elon is capturing the charting stations and the FSD tech, uh, he won. He, he officially won this industry and everyone's going to be licensing tech, their charging stations. And that is going to be such a high gross margin business in their portfolio that it's probably going to boost their margins even closer to 50% like in the long run. And I'm very happy with what I saw in their earnings report. And I think they do have some debt, which like I didn't love seeing. And their cash balance is though $23 billion. Like, do you know if their second place like EV play, they can just acquire all cash if they wanted to. Like there's so much like power that Elon has on what he wants to do in the industry. And he has to monopoly this early and like what the thematic will be in like 10 years. Like I think it's like a 20 to 30% CAGR. It's endless the potential that Tesla can have. So I personally think Tesla investors truly understand the moments that Tesla is like having right now. It's just like what Apple was having in 2008, 2009, where all the doubters were saying like, oh yeah, Apple's like really highly valued for how much they're worth. Look at all the critics now. They're a $3 trillion company. Everyone relies on their app store. It's going to be the same thing for Tesla, for everyone in this EV industry, like in five to 10 years, they're going to be like, wow, we should have gone Tesla around $300. And they're like, under a trillion dollars is a bargain for Tesla when you look back in five years. I agree with all the stuff he's like owning oil we're talking about with all the gas stations using him. And uh, I'll I'll add to this in a second, but Shai, think of everything you just said and then saying that you want to wait for Tesla under 200 to buy it. Remember that. Uh And then you should just buy some Tesla. Listen, if I had unloaded ammo, I'd buy it them right now. You just just hyped up the world and you don't own it. The margin part is what I find so interesting. Like you see all these companies with competing EVs. Well, you know, they want to compete with it. But I think the absolute perfect tweet I saw from Brian Sullivan on CNBC was car companies are waking up to the fact that most buyers don't want an EV. They want a Tesla. Like no one else has the demand that Tesla has. Like. No one wants the electric Ford F-150 or whatever GM's producing. I can't even tell you what GM's electric car is called because I don't care. Like, is the Chevy Volt still a thing? It might not be. Like, no one cares about these other types of cars. They want a Tesla because not only is it the gold standard of EVs, but with all these price cuts, they are like the most affordable ones. Then you see Tesla's financing goes out like 84 months now. Like, he's making it as affordable as possible and he can do that because he had the greatest margins. I say he, Elon Musk, I should say Tesla. Tesla has the greatest margins to where they can cut prices so much and still have superior margins. Like it's just an absolute game that they've won. Now they're just like, they're standing on the necks of their competitors and slowly twisting it. Like all the automakers are already bowing to their NACS chargers and joining the network. I feel like eventually they're all going to come to Tesla and say, hey, will you produce our cars for us? Because it doesn't make sense for them to do it because Tesla does it so much more efficiently, license the production to Tesla. They'll just become the holy grail all for one of EVs. And I would almost turn that away just because, you know, they have so much demand on their side. And, And last point I'd even make is, you know, as Rivian was starting to gain traction in the market, you know, their trucks were were selling. Then the Cybertruck rolls off the line 
And I feel like he's just going to increase production on that front. Cups is going to be one of the big areas where they can they can really start selling. And yeah, the Cybertruck's one design, but I feel like they'll come out with more and, and just take that audience by storm. So the the report was awesome. I love that the stock has pulled back because I did use the surge that they've seen to do some trimming of my own. So everything that I sold off, I'm just now like picking my points to start building that position back up because I feel like long-term, this company is going to be significantly larger than it is today. Obviously, should, should I share a hot take right now that for the founders to listen? In 2030, I bet that Tesla would generate more free cash flow that year is going to surpass all the market caps for any other competitor in that same industry. The cash flow alone? Yeah, cash flow alone for that one. <laughs> I love that. Wild. So, and then the, like one last thing is even... You look at supercharger stations, 33% year-over-year growth, supercharger connectors growth, 33% year-over-year growth. Like everything about the company is just absolutely on fire. And, and yeah, it, it's a cash flow machine. Like I think the semis are, aren't even really rolling off. And it, it's such an exciting company. And, or so, and I just, I'm not even thinking of the cars. I'm looking at it. Just they don't even have the robot, man. Like the the Tesla bot. Like, and the flamethrowers. Like, those are going to be first off. Yeah. Bring back the flamethrower because I didn't get the big double Yeah. The Tesla bot. Like, what if he makes the Tesla bot so inexpensive that we've all got a robot in our houses? Because we're not going to be buying cars if we're like, you know, just using the Uber fleet of Teslas. You think we'll have our product? They'll hop in the drivers. We could have a robot strike or they, they could be like the, you know, the human element that's monitoring, even though it's AI and then our bodyguards and everything else. We're getting way off track here. Let's bring it back. As I'm looking up Tesla tequila as that product launch. <laughs> he did that, right? Yeah, he did that. It's like a thousand dollars for a bottle. He's, he's on the land. He's actually going in, into mountains. So he's got earth covered. He's got space covered. Is he going to do anything in the sea? I'm looking at the ocean right now. I'm just thinking what's next for Elon? <laughs> No, remember, we don't mess with the ocean. We tried that. That's why we want to go to space because whatever they found in the ocean mm. made us want to go to space. Probably. Right? All right, ladies and gentlemen, the moment you're all waiting for. That's right. Shy's here smiling, super excited, buttoning up his shirt and ready to give you guys the thesis pick for this week. Shy, drum roll, please. Mercado Libre. So I added this to my growth portfolio a couple of weeks back. I think it's definitely undervalued. It should be around 1500 But as of this recording, it's trading at $1,222. Their um, market cap is around $60 billion. So there's a lot to like Mercado Libre. I mean, they're essentially the eBay of Latin America. That's how they started. Then they morphed into this PayPal, FedEx, and essentially the bank of Latin America where if you live in the Latin America region, such as Brazil, Argentina, Mexico, like you're gonna use Mercado Libre. That's the first brand that comes to mind. And I know they kind of own the package delivery service network. I think it's called Mercado Envios, where they have such a strong moat in this specific avenue of their business because they invested so much money in their infrastructure where this delivery service isn't as easy as it is in the US. Like it's hard to do this in Latin America. And if you own that network, you have a massive moat and a huge barrier to entry that even Amazon might not even think about it's worth entering. 
Besides that, they have a really popular payment tool called Mercado Pago, and it is gaining so much traction off like the marketplace. Everyone uses it on the marketplace initially, but now everyone in the whole like region is now using it off the marketplace, where it's becoming essentially like the visa of Latin America. And then you also need to factor in the Mercado Credito, where they finance the small businesses in the marketplace. So like pretty much owning the end-to-end marketplace of every ecosystem within Latin America while maintaining gap margins, profitability, and growing at 20 to 30%. I'm a little confused on like why it's struggling so much on getting past the $1,300 price range. It's kind of been consolidating all year. But I think this just creates an opportunity for us to initiate a position and add to it because Latin America is one of the highest growing regions in the whole world on e-commerce. So if you want to be involved in that kind of growth in an industry or tailwind such as e-commerce, like Mercado Libre is the way to play it. I used to own C Limited until a couple weeks ago where I was just like so emotionally involved in like the company. I love Boris as a leader. I thought like, wow, like Southeast Asia. Sorry is like about that, Chai. We the, did uh, actually go through that analysis at, uh, like a few times, I think. And we always came up with, if we're comparing the two of them right now, Melly is definitely, especially like later on, I think early on we were talking about C Limited being better in terms of the growth at the time. And Shai, I know you've been working uh, in the lab and cooking up awesome formulas you were showing us. So you got a PTT score for a number of different stocks. So we're going to be talking about that a little bit more as we build that out. But Shai, what is the PTT score for Mercado Libre? So it's kind of like an algorithm that we all recreated for pounding the table where it factors in price to sale, rev growth, cash flow margin, as well as net income margin. Essentially, you want to give a score where it's easy to compare to all the other stocks we talk about on the show. I'll give you an example. Melly has a score of 78, where the trade desk, I love the trade desk. It's got a score of 51. Highly valued trade desk compared to where Mercado Libre is. And it's a way of like benchmarking against one another. I know it's very different industries, both grow tech stocks and industries with multiple tailwinds, but that's kind of how we're thinking on implementing this PTT score whenever we talk about any stock. So Millie is a score for 78. I think anything over uh, 60 is a buy rating is how we're recommending it on valuation metric. So it's definitely got some room to go up in price and still be above that 60 score benchmark. I love it. Joey, you were talking about Mercado Libre potentially being a split target. So that 13, does that happen to stocks where it kind of just like hits that ceiling over and over again and they feel like they have to do a split to bring in some younger blood and some new money coming in? So a lot of companies will do it just because it makes their stock more accessible. Now, it it hasn't been as important lately because you have fractional shares and everything, but people don't love fractional shares as much as old guys that thought they would. And they like full shares. And not only that, if you tell someone what's better, you know, 10 shares of a $100 stock or 100 shares of a $10 stock, they're going to go for the 100 because they think it's more significant when it's the same amount of capital and same potential return, just different numbers. So like people just look at stock splits as a nice psychological factor. And I mean, look at how many times Tesla split their stock in rage simply because of the split. 
I mean, we're just in a different market. The psychological factors are significant when it comes to it. So when you're looking at Melly, you know, at $1,200 a share, doing a 10 for one, bringing it to 120, like it's still a high price stock, but it's more accessible. People could buy, you know, 100 shares much more easily than they could have a $1,200 stock. The other thing is companies sometimes won't do it intentionally like Berkshire Hathaway's A because they don't want like the turnover. They don't want a ton of shares traded. They just want like the dedicated investor because if you're going to drop, you know, that much money on a stock, you're probably not going to sell it. So, you know, there's the pros and cons to anything, but I think especially because, you know, it's this high growth tech stock and like the e-commerce slash payment slash everything of Latin America that the audience they're skewing to is much younger. So having their share price and, and actions reflect that would be smart on their part. All right, let's get into earnings for next week because there is a lot of them. Uh, I'm going to spit them off very quickly and then we'll come back to a few of these. So Monday, Domino's Pizza, F5 Network. Joey, I did that one for you specifically. Uh, Hasbro, Whirlpool. Tuesday, we got Microsoft, Google, Visa, General Electric, Waste Management, 3M, Dow Chemical, CoStar, Snapchat, Teladoc. I know that is one we'll come back to here. Wednesday, we have Meta, Coca-Cola, Thermo Fisher, Qualcomm, Boeing, Airbus, ServiceNow, ADP, Lamb Research, AT&T, Chipotle, Hilton, Old Dominion, Mattel, got the Barbie movie coming out, eBay, Western Union, QuantumScape was an old stock we discussed, Spirit Airlines, Six Flags, and Trivago. Six Flags I put in there just because of the Disney, all that news about the parks being kind of empty. It'll be interesting to see if they actually are empty across the board or if Disney had some other things affecting them there. Uh, Thursday, we got Amazon, MasterCard, AbV pop this week, L'Oreal, McDonald's, Comcast, T-Mobile, Honeywell, American Tower, Ford, Dexcom, KKR. There's a lot of these that people probably don't care about. Live Nation, Crocs, Yandex. Are they still live? Yandex was a- yeah, Yandex has been suspended ever since. Okay. Okay, I guess they're still reporting somehow. I put that down. Uh, and then I just wanted to make note, there's a company called Carew. The company's literally has six O's and they're a public company. Oh yeah, yeah, they're they're a South African company. Dude, I, I know every company. I had no idea who they were, but I just thought that was funny. I think it's five O's. It is? I thought I counted it and, and wrote it six O's. Three, four, dude, five O's. You can't stump me with anything. <laughs> Friday, Exxon, Chevron, and Hermes, which is how I used to call it. It's pronounced Hermes, but when I first saw that word, I thought it was Hermes. So some of the big ones, obviously, we got all the big tech stocks, Meta, Amazon, Google, et cetera. Which ones are you guys focused on here this week? This is oh not investment advice at all. I am trading Teladoc. I know they announced uh, earlier that they're going to be profitable in Q4 of this year. I think they might sneak on it in Q3. And, I, I mean, you too. The four is very high on that stock. It's trading at around $23. I don't see it going below 20. I think everyone's been waiting for it to go below 20, and I don't think it'll get there. I might buy some leaps ahead of their earnings, $30 leaps for 2024, 2025, betting on them finally producing a profitable quarter. I like it. I, I always say, I mean, once the company just go profitable, they, they, bring on a whole new set of investors, right? That are just focused on companies after they hit profitability too. So I think that could that could be a, a good one there. Joey, which one are you looking at? 
Yeah, your point about the profitability thing is huge because you even look at, you know, what's happened with Uber. As soon as people start seeing the free cash flow and everything, it's treated completely differently from a cash incinerator to a cash generator. It's very important. So yeah, I'll be looking at Teladoc. It's not as exciting as what I'll be looking at with, you know, a, a while back, you know, as the market turned and, and situations changed, money was no longer free. I went high concentration into the mega caps because, you know, it's like the, not the safety trade, but also still exposure to the market, position yourself for upside since I'm always fully vested. So of course, I'll be watching Meta very closely on Wednesday. It's still one of my largest positions and Alphabet right alongside them. I will be, of course, watching Microsoft and ServiceNow. And ServiceNow is a very important one that it, it's almost like they're the ones that really kick off earning season for the platforms and software as a, as a service. So your pass and SaaS, they give a direct insight into cloud spend. And I mean, we'll get a lot of that commentary from Microsoft when they talk about Azure. And one last very important note, ignore the initial reaction on Microsoft because it's usually wrong. Wait for the conference call and wait for them to talk about the Azure division on that conference call. So like their CFO will be on there usually talking about that. That is what will choose the direction of Microsoft. So don't get trigger happy with anything. And yeah, the stocks run a lot, but the conference call is always the key to Microsoft. And that's where you'll get a lot of insight on cloud spend and where Azure's going. So you can, you can derive like almost how earnings season will go for all the software and cloud players directly with those comments. It is wild to watch that on earnings when a stock just either rips and then falls off. You can just yeah, be like, I want to say it's like the last three Microsoft earnings reports. Like at one time, I, I forget what order went, but there was one year or one quarter where it's like stock was down big and then out of nowhere it was up, you know, four or 5%. And same thing, you know, it was down two or 3%. And then out of nowhere it was up 4%. Like these wild moves. And it's always the conference call is always that one section where they're talking about Azure and. Do and they do, that, do you can use the or like, I guess, like assess at the end, they could probably watch the live stock price as certain executives are speaking. And if like one executive just dominates, I wonder if they look back and be like, all right, you take a lot more of the conversation this time. They so should have yeah. there. I'm actually seen before where it's almost like, you know, coaching within conference calls where even if it's a terrible quarter, like you always want to say, Hey, so-and-so congratulations on the great quarter. And, and so like, Right. Now you want to hear what the analysts are asking because they'll be very straightforward. If it's a good quarter, they'll like congratulate so and so. If not, they'll almost be like, "Hey, what went wrong here?" I remember listening to a lot of like the CrowdStrike ones, and when they just had a blow up quarter, you could just feel like the excitement even in the the questions that were being asked, you know. And, and that is, that is interesting. Like tonality does make or break, you know, the way words are said, obviously. Uh, I want to want is, you know, more, more big presentations with the Steve Ballmer type guy that's just drenched in sweat, screaming developers, 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 like that kind of guy. We, we really need one of those. Got to watch the share care CFO. He's a, he's, he's a firecracker, but don't watch that stock. One I wanted to touch on is Mattel with the Barbie coming out because we saw what happened with like Target and with Bud Light. I haven't watched the Barbie movie. My friend just texted me before how woke it was. So do you think they'll get hit potentially from that in the same sense that some of these other companies have? Or 
do you think it, it, people are going to take their kids and, and it'll blow up? Yeah, they're they're really trying to act like Barbie's some big thing. I don't know anybody going to see this. I, I see more people talk about Oppenheimer. And what they're really trying to say is like, let's go see both. Like, you know, spend one day of the movie seeing both. I don't know about that. I think everybody's going for Oppenheimer. I don't even know what either of these movies are about. I asked my wife the other night, like, so what is this Barbie movie about? Like, everybody knows the doll, but like, is there a, a specific story that they're remaking or what? There's a Winnie the Pooh murder movie, by the way. Like, oh yeah, didn't they make a part? Was showing me this. Yeah, I was like, oh, I love Winnie the Pooh, and he's like, I don't think you'll like him anymore. <laughs> you know I mean? and I was like, oh my god. Anyways, what a weekend. Let's. Uh, let, let me add some more color on their earnings. Um, so I'm actually like looking forward to Thursday. That's like when the solar stocks go. First solar morning, phase energy is reporting. I'm like really curious how rates affect their numbers. I recently sold out of Enphase Energy because I was getting a little nervous on the sales and like forecast will be with rates staying this high. So I'm curious to see what they report because I would be very eager to jump back in if I was initially wrong my thesis on selling it. So one other thing I want to see now where we can most start. What? Never mind. I'll tell you once we're done recording. Chipotle. What are you thinking about Chipotle? Every single time I go in, it is packed, no matter what. Chipotle, I live in Chipotle, man. Chipotle is so good. Yeah, Chipotle. I mean, that's it's such a great operation. The new CEO has absolutely crushed it. It's it's such a great operation. You know what's interesting is Thursday Dexcom. So Dexcom, they've got like the diabetes management platform, and then like even continuous glucose monitoring and all that. With the rise of WeGoVi and Ozempic and all these different like obesity drugs, like if that is something that's going to impact Dexcom long term, like if all these people are using these drugs to absolutely shred weight, and now it's not going to affect like current diabetes patients, but like if it could prevent people from getting diabetes going forward, like if that's anything that Dexcom's talking about, if they're completely turning a blind eye to it, since it's almost like something that could lessen the need for their company over the long term. That is interesting. We got Google, Amazon, Meta. Oh, yeah. Dude, I already touched on those. Those are huge. Yeah, I'm kind of rooting for some declines across some big tech names to redeploy some capital that I had trimmed off from those. But I mean, yeah, that's just like opportunistic. And we've had such a good run that I'd almost, I'd like an opportunity to, to get some cash back in those. But also you even look at like the, the little engine that used to be in Roku, like with everything going on in streaming and everybody switching from platform to platform and from this to that, like a lot of people still do all their subscriptions through Roku. So they're always getting their little cut. They've got the freemium type model. Uh, you can get some of their Roku channels free and everything. Like if, if there's anything going on there that can get people excited and send it higher. But maybe not. I've recovered quite a bit this year. I mean, not back to where they were, of course, but they're up 81% on the year. They were up at what was almost over almost 500 bucks at one point. Yeah. I mean, that Roku is another one where it's just like been beaten down so much, but it is still used. I was actually thinking about that when we were talking about like 50 different applications for everything. It all kind of goes through those Roku uh, TVs. So let's wrap it up, boys. Unless there's anything else, Shy, you uh, have up your sleeve over there. I mean, I'm looking forward to the uh, quarterly trade trade desk dip from Snapchat earnings. So always Snapchat dips, trade desk dips, but then 
two months later, Tradesk just proves everyone wrong and just goes up again. Mobileye is going Thursday morning. To be honest, like I think Tesla kind of killed their growth potential in the for- going forward with the FSD tech. So I'm curious to see what their forecast will be or like how they ports. Pinch is a stock that I own that is in very early innings over the for the RFID tech. They've been struggling since their last earnings report where they kind of dipped, I think, 30%. Very seasonal business, early innings. I'm looking forward to bottom so I can keep adding it. I think it's the lowest position in my portfolio, but that's something that has my eye on. No, Shy, that one I just want to touch on because I, I was I didn't I've never heard of them before. And then I looked them up and it is so seasonal. You could like look and pretty much if you max it out, it's like every single time. I think it was starting in September through like December. Like majority of the last like five years, I believe it's been just popping up. So that's one I, I got to put on my reminder list to to buy around late August or so. so. It's also interesting. So you got Lamb Weston reporting before the market opens on Tuesday, and then you got McDonald's before the market opened on Thursday. So Lamb Weston's the big potato supplier, which processes potatoes for McDonald's. You get a nice little insight on what's going to happen with McDonald's. What, ha- what happens with their potato supplier? Don't get too excited, guys. I didn't know all of these companies. Yeah. I can't believe you know that, Joey. That's like, what? <laughs> you guys, come on. You got to know the suppliers to McDonald's and who processes their potatoes. I love it. I love it. That's why we pound the table with Joey every single week. Anything else, Joe? Or should we let these uh, pounders on their way for the weekend? So it, it's been an exciting run for the last couple months. We did have you know growth somewhat fade on us the last couple trading sessions of this week. But, you know, Next week is, I believe it's the busiest week of earnings season and by far like the most exciting when it comes to the market cap of these tech companies. So I would almost say, you know, if you've got a cash balance, be ready to deploy some if you're ready and, you know, buckle up because it's going to be exciting and make sure you follow us on Twitter so we can give you some nice little earnings insights as as these all roll out. That is right. So give us a follow at pounding the table. If you guys have not signed up for the email, it is free. Shy's dropping some knowledge on these deep dives into stocks, a lot of fun stuff. So check that out. It's poundingthetablepodcast.com. We'll be back next week and everyone enjoy the sunshine. I'm looking at the ocean right now. So go out there, enjoy your weekend and we'll be back next week for another episode of Pounding the Table. This one here for all that try to count me out and they still counting. Honestly, I never doubt it. Say the top is never crowded. Well, I'm trying to climb the mountain till I need a few accountants. Stock is rising, perfect timing. I'm in Brickle with the tribe. Shawty sliding, she wants sushi. She want eel sauce for the rice. I just peel off with the light. Took a